Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're broadcasting from the Freedom Phone Studios. Yes, that's the name of our studios for the next month. We are promoting this extraordinary new cell phone, this new smartphone, this new device that protects your privacy by allowing you to control the settings in a very sophisticated way. And the default settings are there to keep you from being tracked by big tech or big brother uh, right out of the bat. There's a new wave of apps that this phone produces that are all censorship-free apps. You know them all, Parler, Getter, my, one of my favorites, Cloud Hub. I love Cloud Hub. I'm such a big fan of that. Um, all of those apps, just the news, will be coming to this phone in just a week or two. We're very excited about that. So yes, for the next month, we're going to be broadcasting live from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C., here at Just the News. You heard yesterday Eric Finman the young uh, millionaire, the man behind the Freedom Phone, what motivated him, what the phone does, why it is groundbreaking, why it sends a message to big tech in Silicon Valley, and big brother in Washington, and to the markets that Americans are not going to take censorship anymore. They're not going to take unnecessary infringements of their privacy for granted anymore. They're fighting back. And the first way you can fight back is with your wallet. And how do you do that? by going to justthenews.com slash freedom phone, justthenews.com slash freedom phone. You can get a very special offer. This offer is only available through Just the News. Big discount on the phone. Remember, you get a lot of freedom. You get freedom uh, to protect your privacy, freedom uh, from censorship, and the freedom to buy one phone and pick whatever carrier you want. Whoever has a SIM card chip, you can put that in it. It works in the phone. Freedom once, twice, three times, the Freedom Phone. That's why we're big advocates here at Just the News. We hope you join the fight by the phone. Check it out. It's an incredible device. I have one already. I love it. I'm addicted to it. I can't wait for the Just the News app to be launching in the next week or 10 days. It'll be on that phone. We'll have it in other marketplaces as well. But if you want to do something, you said, I'm done with this censorship. I'm done with this privacy invasion. I'm done with being hostage to big tech, big carriers. Well, here's your chance to make a statement and solve the problem. Go to justthenews.com slash freedom phone. Check out the offer. Get one of the phones like I did. It's a great investment. You feel good the second you open up the box. Why? It comes in patriotic 
bag right away. You're like, ah, the, the, this company loves the flag. They love America. They love freedom. They love everything that the left is trying to destroy in America. Check out this phone. It is amazing. Now, I know you're angry about big tech. I know you're angry about the challenges we're facing in uh, politics and in, in failure to enforce laws. You're going to get angry about this. Just think about this. In a few short months, the Big Apple, New York City, could have a prosecutor, chief prosecutor, replacing Cy Vance, a man named Alvin Bragg. If you haven't heard about this guy, read his policies. His policies are, I'm going to let everybody go except murderers and rapists. Basically, that's it. Uh, uh, An extraordinary proclamation of ending incarceration when people are arrested, when people are convicted. He wants to let them out. No punishment. Utopian hell is what we're about to head into in New York City if this is true. And today, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it with somebody who has been a prosecutor for more than 20 years, both a federal prosecutor, assistant U.S. attorney, and then the chief prosecutor, the district attorney of Chester County in Pennsylvania, big, important suburban county in Pennsylvania. Joining us in a few minutes is Tom Hogan. You're going to want to listen to this man, his take on where this country is going, how George Soros has dominated the local prosecutors' races, gotten his candidates in place, and begun a radical transformation of the criminal justice system. And when I say radical, I'm not talking about, you know, like what President Trump and Democrats did in Congress with prison reform or criminal justice reform. We're talking about choosing not to enforce the laws. We've seen some of that already with Joe Biden right at the border. We're just not gonna enforce the laws, we let people go. All right, well, we saw what happened there. The border's become an absolute disaster and the border communities are crying for help. Local police are being sent to the border to do the job of what the federal government used to do, but Joe Biden has handcuffed and handicapped the ICE and CPB agents, the brave men and women of those great agencies, so they can't enforce the laws. Well, guess what? Coming to a city near you, coming to a suburb near you, there may be a district attorney with a similar agenda. Tom Hogan is here to tell you about that, what it means, why we're seeing such a rapid increase in crime, why this is one of the defining issues of the next two elections, 2022, 2024. You do not want to miss Tom Hogan and this interview, absolutely essential interview right here Uh, in just a few minutes. All right, before we go to our normal commercial break, and by the way, when we do, remember our sponsors, remember our advertisers, you know them all, Annie's Kids Club, Kansas City Stakes, uh, so many great people supporting the show, making good things happen. Well, remember this. Uh, when every time you support them in one of their products, you're supporting us. If you buy the Freedom Phone, you're helping support Just the News. If you buy a new round of Kansas City Steaks, if you join the Wild Alaskan Club, if you buy some crafts from Annie's Kit Clubs, you're supporting the journalism of Just the News, the podcast that is John Solomon Reports, so we can do more of this type of reporting, like you're going to get in a few seconds with our incredible interview from Tom Hogan. All right, before we get to that, I want to go... Uh, to one story we broke overnight. It has such power, such importance. It is the number one trending story on justthenews.com right now. And for this reason, last night, Senators Charles Grassley, Chuck Grassley, and Ron Johnson, who's been kind to be on the show many times before, sent a letter to the Justice Department asking some questions. 
And the reason they're asking questions, and you know, people ask me, what are the consequences? We hear about the deep state. That's a very politically loaded term, but I know what it refers to. It refers to the permanent bureaucracy in the federal government that lives beyond presidents. They're not recallable through elections. They march to their own drum. You saw them in the persona of James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Bill Priestap and those guys who marched to their own drum in the Russia case pursued a bogus case against the president of the United States in the face of overwhelming evidence, not only in the lack of evidence of wrongdoing, but in the overwhelming evidence that what they were doing was a Russian ruse. That's what the permanent state is, what the deep state is, what the permanent bureaucracy is, whatever you want to call it. And that is important. And people say, well, all right, I get the Russia thing, but what is the consequences? And the answer can be in the story that we just wrote this morning in this letter by Chuck Grassley, by Ron Johnson, two great senators, one from Iowa, one from Wisconsin. They reveal that 59 of the 96 cell phones, official government phones that were assigned to the Mueller probe are missing. You got that? 59 of the 96. Does this sound familiar? Oh, well, let's see. Hillary Clinton bleach, be, uh, bleach bit her devices, smashed them with a hammer. Uh, when when it was revealed that she had a private email kind. Okay, I get that. That's bad. All right, we saw the text messages that disappeared between Pete Strzok and Lisa Page and others. Those had to be recovered. Not all of them were recovered, but a lot of them were. 59 of the 96 cell phones that the team Mueller had are missing, according to these two senators. That's what a deep state does. They consider the information, the phone, the device, the powers of their office to be their own personal items. They make them disappear. They don't turn them over. Even though we have federal record acts, even though we have extraordinary laws that require the preservation of information and documents, these guys don't care in this deep state, in the deep bureaucracy. They do what they want, when they want, how they want it. They're not responsible to the elected representatives. They're not responsible to you, the citizens of the United States. That is the consequence of the deep state. And that's why this story atop just the news this morning is such an important story. Check it out from my good colleague, uh, Nick Sherman, who wrote about it. Check out the letter. Like always, we put all the information in the dig in section so you can go check it out yourself. You don't have to take our word. All right, that, enough about the deep state. You've got it. You know what it is. We're going to keep following that story until the, those phones are found or an explanation is offered. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, you're not going to want to miss this. The former district attorney of Chester County, a former assistant U.S. attorney, former federal prosecutor, Tom Hogan joining us to talk about the politicalization of local prosecutors, people who are now deciding they're not going to enforce the laws you got passed by your elected representatives, the people who are fueling this extraordinary increase in violent crime across America because they won't punish the violent offenders. We're going to hear it all from Tom Hogan in just a second. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest and a very important conversation. You need to be aware of what's going on in your community, in your local prosecutor's race. These races matter. The policy changes that are going across this country are epic, and you need to be aware of it. And here to make sense of it all is a former federal prosecutor, the former district attorney of Chester County, Pennsylvania, and a real subject expert on this matter, Tom Hogan. Tom, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, John. Pleasure to be on. I always love when we have a new guest coming on to do a little biography and background. So talk a little bit. You've been in law enforcement a long time, uh, both at the, the U.S. Attorney's Office level and then at the local DA level. Talk a little bit about your background and, and how you've seen the profession evolve over the last uh, 20 years. Sure. You know, I actually started as a criminal defense lawyer working for a large international law firm and then went off to be a prosecutor. Um, I was a line local prosecutor, and then right after 9-11, I got called up by DOJ to become a federal prosecutor, where I did, you know, all the drug stuff um, and corruption stuff uh, that a federal prosecutor does, but I also did terrorism, which was really interesting back in those days. I bet. And still is. (laughs) And then uh, I eventually went on to become Chester County's elected district attorney. So I've got about 20 years as a prosecutor in, and when I'm not a prosecutor, I've generally been a criminal defense lawyer. Sure. So I've seen it from both sides. But yeah, what you're seeing these days at the local prosecutor level is really different from what you've ever seen before. It used to be, even 10 years ago, if you got 100 prosecutors together in a room, no matter what their party affiliation was, um, they would generally agree on how to stop violent crime. And they would generally agree if you presented them with hypothetical about a case about the appropriate way to handle it. You don't see that anymore. You are seeing prosecutors breaking in all sorts of different directions, doing all sorts of crazy things. And that really started with the progressive prosecutor movement, which has been funded from a certain angle. Right. You are getting to see the results of it right now in the big cities. Yeah, no doubt. We've covered a lot here at Just the News on the efforts, particularly by uh, the liberal mega donor, George Soros. He started a group back in around 2014 that insinuated itself in a lot of these local DA races. And I think one of the very first ones was in St. Louis with a woman named Kimberly Gardner, who made history first uh, African-American St. Louis circuit attorney in the history of of the city of St. Louis. Uh, But very early on, she began changing policies, got sideways with her own police department, a lot of distrust between the police and the prosecutors, and then took on some political prosecutions that backfired. And now she herself is the subject of a misconduct investigation and in danger of losing her law license. But from 2016 to 2020 now, I think there's over two dozen, three dozen uh, prosecutors that got predominantly uh, funded by George Soros and now are in you know really key cities having uh, a profound influence. When you see the politicalization of a, of, a, of a profession that has always been above politics, what are what are the warning signs that everyday Americans should be worried about? Well, when you look at someone coming in and they say that they're going to deprosecute whole swaths of crime, in other words, they're going to take a particular area of crime. And even if the legislature passed the law and even if the governor signed it, the prosecutor's saying, I'm not going to enforce it. That is a huge red flag because that's not a prosecutor's job. The prosecutor's job is to enforce the law that's on the books. You can have prosecutorial discretion at an individual case level, when you look at single factors, you know, what's the victim like? What are the victim's preferences? What's this defendant like? What are the specific facts? But you can't just come in and say, you know what? I'm not going to prosecute drug crimes. 
or I'm not going to prosecute resisting arrest. Right. That gets back to the criminals and they react to it and they respond in those cases by engaging in more drug crimes or resisting arrest. Yeah. No, it's an invitation to just have chaos. And um, so as you look out, is there really do these prosecutors now see themselves as the potential nullifiers of legislative intent of the will of the people that they, they feel they can come in and decide what laws are going to they're pick and choose their laws? Is that, is that sort of the, the movement where we're headed right now? That's absolutely where we're headed. They are usurping the authority um, yeah. of the legislature. And if you, you know, as I always said, if you want a law to change, a criminal law to change, run for the legislature. That's right. Don't run for district attorney. That's not your role. Stay in your lane. And we're seeing that across the political spectrum. People are coming out of their lanes and deciding that they're going to do what they want. Yeah, it is a remarkable time and a perilous time when you begin to think about the downstream consequences. The biggest potential experiment in this politicalization of prosecutors, local prosecutors, could happen in the Big Apple, right? We've got Alvin Bragg, looks like he has won the Democratic primary and most likely will be the uh, district attorney succeeding Cy Vance later uh, this year. You have a mayor who's a little bit more pro-law uh, enforcement that looks like he, he may, you know, he may have a may have a future mayor who's pretty pro-police, not perfectly so, but there, and then you're going to have this, this guy, Alvin Bragg, has some really radical ideas. Talk about what could be happening in, in the Big Apple come November. Sure. So there's good news and bad news. The good news is that Alvin Bragg grew up in Harlem in the 80s. Um, and his father kept a gun in the house to ward off burglars. Right. So he has seen what a violent city can do and what can happen to a city. Um, as a friend of mine said, remember back uh, just 40 years ago, the anniversary for, uh, of the movie Escape from New York, when we were talking about a dystopian future for New York, we, we would turn it into a penal colony. Right. That's the, the, the New York that Alvin Bragg grew up in. So he knows the warning signs, and he saw it get better under strong mayors and strong policing. That's the good part. He's got a background, and he's got a background as a prosecutor in the attorney general's office and with the U.S. attorney's office. The scary part is when you get into his actual policies. Yeah. Um, I went through and read what he actually plans to do. And first, he plans on deprosecuting. He is going to come in and say he is not going to prosecute resisting arrest, and he's not going to prosecute trespassing. Um, so that means that every arrest by the New York Police Department in Manhattan, people are going to resist. And I hope everyone likes their view of Central Park because <laughs> it will shortly be taken up with people camping out there, um, drug users, people who are mentally ill, yep. homeless people, and what we used to call bums. He won't prosecute it. So we've seen this in Seattle. We've seen this in Portland. We've seen this in San Francisco. It's not going to be pretty. And then even beyond what he's willing to prosecute, his bail and incarceration policies are wild. Yeah. He is saying that everyone is going to get bail unless they commit a murder, an assault with a deadly weapon where somebody actually was seriously injured, or a sex crime, which means that for every shooting where they miss somebody. Right. You're going to walk free. Or, right. Or every domestic assault where somebody gets badly beaten but no weapon was used, they're going to walk free. Every drug dealer is going to walk free. Everybody who illegally possesses a firearm, every felon who gets caught with a firearm is going to walk free. And then he goes on to say that his incarceration policy on conviction is essentially the same. That in addition to murders, assault with a deadly weapon where a serious bodily injury results, sex crimes, he'll also do public corruption and really major financial crimes might get incarceration. 
but everyone else is going to walk free. <laughs> and that means they're going to be an enormous number of felons who know that if they get arrested, they're going to get bailed out right away. And if they get convicted, they're not going to jail anyway. Yeah. And at that point, they're going to keep dealing drugs. They're going to keep carrying guns. The, mer the gangs are going to keep going back and forth. So this is a battle. Will, will Adam Bra Alvin Bragg's past, his history, show up? Or are these campaign promises going to show up? Maybe they were just campaign promises, and maybe he's going to be the Alvin Bragg who grew up in the 80s, who knows what happens with violent crime. Or maybe he's going to turn into George Gascon. And Manhattan will have a very bleak future. Yeah. If you're listening um, and you're saying there's no way that a prosecutor has said this, there's no chance that uh, Alvin Bragg is going to do this. This is from a great column that Tom Hogan wrote the other day. This is an exact quote from the campaign side of Alvin Bragg. I'm just going to read it to you because it will make your head spin. Non-incarceration, meaning no prison, is the outcome for every case except those with charges of homicide or the death of a victim, a class B violent felony in which a deadly weapon causes serious physical injury or felony sex offenses. That's a direct quote for the man that is one heartbeat away from being the next district attorney of the, the incredible city of New York. A remarkable, remarkable uh, moment. Now, what Tom is telling you is irrefutable. You can go check it out for yourself. Now, Tom, uh, there are groups like the Manhattan Institute and others that are looking and trying to put together useful ways for Americans to fight back. If they don't like the fact that we have these new generation of political prosecutors who feel like they can pick and choose which laws to enforce and not law, uh, enforce. What is the solution? If you're in New York or St. Louis or LA, or you've been through a year of violence in Portland, watching every one of those anarchists get released right after they commit offenses, what is the solution for everyday Americans? Well, the, the long-term solution is obviously your vote. In some ways, George Soros was right. George Soros said that prosecutors are very powerful, and so I'm going to put them in. He did. And it turns out they were very powerful in making people unsafe. These policies that he has unleashed have created enormous problems. So people have to vote, but people have to pay attention. They have to demand that their prosecutors actually enforce the law. They need to support their police if they want to be safe, because what we're seeing right now is the violent crime is leaking out from the cities and it's starting to hit the suburbs. Yeah, I saw an interview with the, the suburban police chiefs around Minneapolis, and they said that the gangs are coming out there now uh, because they realize they're just not going to get prosecuted. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. We've seen some lawsuits recently. I wonder if you think about where, where the courts might get involved. We saw Texas recently sue and win an injunction against the Biden administration for refusing to follow the current immigration laws that are on the book in some cases. Uh, beyond people going to the ballot box and voting and saying enough with this nonsense, uh, are there ways for citizens or legislators or city urban officials who disagree with what a district attorney is about to do to go to courts? Can the courts also be a potential remedy or roadblock for some of these radical policies? The courts are, in my opinion anyway, a long shot, only because the, the power of a prosecutor and the discretion of a prosecutor is great um, and generally has been unfettered. So courts would have to be making new law in order to do this. Now, what you can have is every district attorney is also covered by an attorney general right. and a U.S. attorney's office. So you could have them stepping in and becoming much more uh, law enforcement friendly. 
However, you're seeing attorneys general and you're now seeing DOJ heading in the opposite direction. Yeah. Under the Holder DOJ, they stopped enforcing violent crime. They just right. disappeared from doing it. Now, if the Merrick Garland DOJ is going to do the same thing, then they're not going to be any help. Yeah. Um, but for instance, in Florida, when the Jacksonville state's attorney stopped enforcing the death penalty and stopped really going after murder cases, the governor did take away her authority over murder cases and handed it off to the attorney general. Wow. Yeah. So there's a there's a possible intervention um, in some of these red states, at least. Obviously, the blue states are a little trickier because it seems as though the governors and attorneys general are more aligned in the blue states with these this new generation of local prosecutors. And it's important to point out that Alvin Bragg currently has a connection to the New York attorney general's office. So that's where he got his start. And now he's going to bring these policies to, to the city or threatens to bring them to the city. Um, what are things to watch in the next six to eight months? I mean, the crime wave continues to get worse. We're seeing the carnage roll up. Uh, we see police officers more hesitant uh, because they don't know about their liability protections with qualified immunity being stripped away in some places. Are we headed into a perfect storm in some of these urban areas? Sure. And this is, this is going to get worse. I hate to tell people, but the great client crime decline of 1995 to 2015 is over and it didn't end last year or the year before yeah. it ended around 2015 2016 and all of the signals have been that it, crime is increasing um, violent crime in particular um, so yes until this starts to seep into the national consciousness until suburban voters begin to feel unsafe right then we're going to continue to see these voting patterns but when it begins to leak out when the various portions of the media start stop covering up what's going on in the cities. Some parts of the media are doing it effectively, some are not. Then people are going to see what's going on. And once they realize that they're unsafe, then they'll start to vote. And you saw that in New York. Eric Adams' vote was a vote of yeah. middle-class Black voters who work and who are feeling unsafe. The upper-class, liberal, very <laughs> safe communities did not vote for him. They didn't. Um, but the other communities came through because they live in the real world. And when that real world starts to hit um, in the upper classes and the suburban communities, that's when you'll begin to see changes in voting patterns. Yeah, that's really the key is 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 people getting out and, and not ignoring these local races because they have a profound effect on your safety, on your future, on your security, your finances. And maybe we've taken that voting right for granted a little bit in recent years. But uh, the policies and the people that are now coming in pose a grave threat to those who worry about personal freedom, personal safety. When you, I, I, you've studied this enough, and I, I often have people ask me this question. You know, when you hear these policies, they lack utter common sense. We're just going to let everybody go. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll pick a guy up, rest him, let him go. Um, where did this ideology come from? Where did this idea that not punishing those who commit grievous crimes is a good idea. How, how, uh, what lab was this invented in? Was it in Wuhan? Where did this come from? <laughs> John, it's, it's great that you would ask that because I'm actually writing an article right now about it. Ah, perfect. The big mistake or the great mistake. And the big mistake was the fact that for 20 years, we saw nothing but declining crime. Um, and you know what? If crime is going to decline no matter what, then yeah, then you would let people out of prison because crime's just going to decline right. and prison's expensive. And, you know, if you're a fiscal conservative, you don't want to pay for it. That's right. If you're a liberal, you consider prisons to be inhumane. So if crime's going to decline anyway, let everyone out. People just didn't realize that 
crime was not always going to decline. It's like it's like the tech bubble. Tech right. stocks were not always going to go up. Um, it's like Germany post World War One. Turns out they were willing to go into a second world war. People just made this huge mistake that crime was always going to decline no matter what. So you could defund the police. You could decarcerate these serious criminals. You could deprosecute all these crimes and it wouldn't have any effect. Well, guess what? That was a pipe dream. That was magical thinking. Yes. It seemed to make sense to them at the time, but now they're getting to see the fruits of that thought pattern and that fruits of it are you are going to see violent crime going up. If you let these people out of jail who are very violent, if you don't arrest them to begin with, if you defund and demoralize the police, then you're going to get violent criminals running the streets just like they did in the 70s, 70s 80s, yeah. and early 90s. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, Tom, this is an amazing conversation. It's one we got to keep having, uh, for you, you're doing some amazing work. I mean, some of the writings you've done, the New York post column you did the other day was just amazing. Uh, how do people stay in touch with what you're doing? If they want to follow what you're doing or engage you, how, what's the best way to follow your work? Well, right now I've been writing through the Manhattan Institute. Yep. A few other folks are having me write the stuff, but I think the Manhattan Institute is doing strong work, not only on the criminal justice area, but also in critical race theory. So these are areas that everyone really needs to pay attention to for the good of themselves and the good of their children. Yeah, important stuff. So, all right, folks, if you want to follow Tom, keep an eye on the Manhattan Institute. We just had some great folks on here last week for them talking about CRT. They're clearly working on one of the most important issues affecting communities as well. Crime, the rise in crime, the rise in new prosecutors who selectively enforce the law. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Also, thank you for your service to your country. I grew up in a family of all cops, and and uh, I know the sacrifice it takes to be a prosecutor, to be a, a law enforcement officer, and we're so grateful that you've served your country and continue to do so by speaking out on these issues. It was a pleasure every day to serve my community, John. So thank you for what you do. All right. God bless you. Have a good one, Tom. Take care. All right, folks. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back... We are going to have one of my favorite recent guests, new friend of the show. Michael Chamberlain is here to join us. He is the leader of a new watchdog group called Protect the Public's Trust. He is policing for ethical conflicts, just like the one Hunter Biden and Joe Biden created in Ukraine back in 2014, 15, 16. You know, Hunter Biden making money in Ukraine, father in charge of Ukraine prosecutor, in charge of Ukraine policy, including firing uh, or help forcing the firing of a Ukraine prosecutor looking at his son's company. It is uh, an extraordinary conflict. We saw that, well, the conflicts are getting worse. They're getting more numerous. Michael Chamberlain's here to describe exactly what his group is doing to bring attention to it, to try to create corrections for it. We're going to deal with that right after this commercial break. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone we've had on the show before now. We're going to become a regular because staying on top of ethics in Washington is such an important thing, whether it's the permanent bureaucracy, whether it's the new political appointees. We want to police early the ethical conflicts like we saw with the Biden family, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden on China, Ukraine, name it. Uh, you know what a mess that created for America. Well, this time in this administration, because of the great work of our next guest, uh, we're on top of things at the front end of it. And we're not cleaning up on the back end. So joining us right now is Michael Chamberlain from Protect the Public's Trust, a brand new watchdog that we've been writing a lot about here at Just the News. Michael, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me, John. And, and I really appreciate your coverage of the issues that, that we've been working on. It's very important work, and, and we think that we've really been starting to make a difference. Yeah, there's no doubt you have made a difference. There are already significant questions being raised in Congress with some of the appointees at your group and you have flagged personally. Uh, but you've created a new tool, and I love this. I love, you know, I love timelines and I love trackers because people get a, a sense of purity and a, a clarity from them that you can't get from the episodic run of the news every day. So tell us a little bit about this new waiver tracker and how people can uh, watch and learn how many times people are being allowed with a waiver to engage in a conflict of interest in Joe Biden's administration. Tell us about that. Well, there are certain ethics rules that all political appointees have to follow. And at the beginning of the administration, the Biden administration issued the Biden ethics pledge, and that expanded some of the rules and, and strengthened them and, and expanded some of the deadlines from a year to two years in some cases and, and added some other protections against potential conflicts of interest. However, some of the appointees that come in have situations where they may have potential conflicts or they may have been involved in certain areas that kind of cross over and may create some areas where they, they may be in violation of portions of the ethics pledge. You bet. But in order to perform their jobs, their functions, sometimes they're able to, to be granted waivers from those. And normally those go through the career ethics officials in those agencies. Uh, sometimes there are exceptions to that and other people work on them and, and grant the, the waivers. But normally it's the career ethics officials who evaluate the circumstances, ensure that these are unique situations that the person in or they have unique qualifications. And the waivers really can at their best when they're used properly. They can help ensure that the American public benefits from having the most highly qualified people serving in the federal government for them. It is uh, a remarkable thing because it seems as though the waivers are pretty large numbers already. And uh, we had a really great example we wrote about last week. And, and you know, there is a term in Washington we call the revolving door where people go to private uh, advocacy groups and they come back into government and back and forth they go. And that's where ethical conflicts can become really problematic for people. And at EPA, there have been so many people plucked from the climate advocacy groups. So people that have a, perspe a particular perspective have business before the EPA on many issues. And Joe Biden has appointed so many of them that they were so conflicted. They had to give one an exemption because they had no one to make decisions in the general counsel's office. Talk a little bit about what you found at EPA last week and why that is one of the really great examples now on this waiver tracker. Well, as you stated, John, there have been a lot of a massive wave of activists from large and wealthy and powerful special interest advocacy groups that have gone into high level leaderships of 
the Environmental Protection Agency. And they were involved in organizations that had challenged or started litigation on just about every issue in, in the agency during the Trump administration. And these are groups like the Sierra Club and National Natural Resources Defense Defense Council Council, and Environmental Defense Fund. Uh, These aren't little tiny nonprofits. These are major. Some of them have close to a half a billion in assets and they get nine figures in in budget every year. And so they're able to create the powerful advocacy groups and, and challenge and litigate on just virtually everything that the EPA does. Uh, and a lot of their leadership has come into the leadership of the Environmental Protection Agency. And so the work that they did on litigation in the past and, and the particular matters that their groups were involved in create potential conflicts when they come into the agency. And you're right, John, there was one office, in fact, where there were so many conflicts that they were forced to give one of the, the attorneys in that office, Ms. Marianne Engelman Lotto, a waiver just simply because they said there were, quote, in their words, an overlap of recusals. So there were so many people who had potential conflicts that the office couldn't perform their job. So they had to give somebody a waiver so that they could function. It's remarkable to to see uh, the number of conflicts that this administration is already racking up. And of course, we have the backdrop of the Biden conflict, right? We know that back in the Mm -hmm. When he was VP with Hunter Biden uh, working for a corrupt Ukraine company or a company that was considered corrupt by the United States State Department at the same time his father oversaw anti-corruption policy. State Department officials said that made them feel uncomfortable. It it actually undercut the State Department's anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine. So conflicts of interest aren't a theoretical thing. They are real. They have consequences to policy. They have consequences to public trust. So you've solved the problem here, Michael. You have created a tracker. You're creating a level of visibility that I haven't. I've been in this town 30 years, been doing ethics reporting for 30 years. I haven't seen the level of transparency and also simplicity to get transparency that you've been able to create at Protect the Public's Trust. So we're, we're really grateful. After we have the transparency, all right, you flag the waivers, you flag the conflicts of interest the public knows about them. What is the next step? What do our leaders in Congress, our leaders in, uh, in, in maybe the legal community, what are the next steps to, to try to remediate some of these conflicts that you're turning up? Well, some of the things that we at Protect the Public's Trust have been doing is we've been monitoring the activities of some of the appointees in these agencies, some of the high-level officials in these agencies. And if they do end up working on matters in which they are prohibited from the the ethics rules and the Biden ethics pledge. We have in turn been filing complaints with some of those agencies and we filed complaints with several regarding some of the activities of their high level leaders and working on particular matters that they should have been recused from or they were recused from or participating in in particular matters that the the ethics pledge potentially should have barred them from. And so we followed up with those and we have filed complaints with the Department of Interior, for instance, and the Department of Energy on certain officials there, because we've noticed behaviors that seem to cross the lines of yeah. what they were supposed to be engaging in. Yeah, oh, these, that's the next step. And we're going to be watching that closely. How do follow, uh, people follow the great work that you're doing at Protect the Public Stress? Uh, what are all the ways to stay in touch with your work and get involved in the tracker and other things that you're 
you're creating every day? Uh, they can go to our website, protectpublictrust.org. And on that homepage, they can sign up for our emails and get those. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be, I'll let the, just the news listeners get the jump yeah. on this one. We're going Got to a little news here. <laughs> a press release uh, about some officials we're adding to our waiver tracker just this afternoon. Right. And so they'll be among the first to learn about that. And they're also, they can use our whistleblower email. It's protectpublictrusttips at protonmail.com. If you're a whistleblower in the federal government and you're aware of potential conflicts of interest or misconduct or misbehavior, you can contact us through that and we will take a look into it and, and see if there's anything that may be able to be done about that. Wow, and a- you can follow us on Twitter at Public Trust. And we're also on Facebook. They can follow P- Protect the Public Trust on Facebook as well. Yeah, such, such important work. And uh, it's not glamorous work. It takes a lot of work to go through these recusal statements and these waivers and get them. But a lot of people said, you know, how did we wake up in 2020 with the Hunter Biden problem? The answer was no one was flagging it back in 14, 15, and 16 the way they should. And Michael and his team have solved that problem. This is an incredible resource, an important resource. And all of us need to stay on top of it. We are at Just the News. We have, we're covering it like it's a beat. And every day when new people are added to the list, we're on top of it. And we're explaining to you what those conflicts are and what the potential dangers are. Michael, thanks for all you're doing. We want to get you back on the show as often as possible because this is an issue dear to our heart and important for the integrity of our government. Well, thank you very much, John. We really appreciate every opportunity and appreciate the work that you're doing in in helping us inform the public about the work that we're doing. Yeah, it's important work. It is. And uh, we're going to save some troubles for the American people by getting this stuff highlighted, getting it into the jet stream before really egregious conflicts like we saw in Ukraine and China uh, surface and it's too late. So, Michael, thanks again for what you do. And we'll definitely be having you back on soon. Thank you very much, John. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, what a show. Good to be back in the saddle. Good to be broadcasting from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. Remember, take a stand against big tech. You want to do that? Take a stand against Big Brother. You want to do that? Take a stand against censorship, privacy invasion, uh, lack of choices in the cell phone market. You can do all of that with a single purchase. Check out the Freedom Phone. If you like it, buy it. What will you do? You'll be busting Big Tech's Big Brother's cartel on privacy, on censorship. You'll be supporting censorship-free apps, uh, hard-to-track phone, and the end of some of the banana stuff that's going on. I call it the banana republic stuff that big tech Silicon Valley, their friends in democratic government, friends in democratic media have created this insanity 
Take a bite out of it right away by checking out the Freedom Phone. If you like it, buy it. It's an incredible offer. Special discounts just because you're a John Solomon Reports podcast fan, a Just the News follower. Uh, go to justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone right now. Justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone right now to check out that offer. Now, one other thing I would like to do before uh, we go. Uh, many of you may not know this, but I've been blessed, and my wife, Judy, have been blessed to have a special needs son now for 30 years. It's hard to believe he's 30 years old. We love Josh. He has brought more joy into our life than we could ever have imagined. He's autistic. He has needs. He has diminished capacity in some areas. It's certainly not a diminished capacity for love. He's an amazing person. And we're always looking for things to do. One of the things when, you know, there's a lot of programs for children, autism, uh, those who suffer from autism or other disabilities uh, when they're going through school. But when they graduate out around 22, 23, 24, it is hard to find things to do. And even before that, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you got a special grandchild, a special child, and you're trying to do things that are meaningful, that they can do, that they can engage, that can be for good, you're always looking for things. Well, my good friends at Andy's Kit Clubs, andyskitclubs.com, check them out. They have an, an unbelievable assortment of items in goods. You can knit together. You can make like Josh and I did some wood projects that you can give away as a gift or keep put on your shelf or put into use. One of my favorite things that they're doing right now is that they have many clubs where when you make the product, whether it's you knit an afghan or a scarf, it gets to go to a great charity. And that is something that is amazing. Operation Gratitude being one of them, uh, scars for wounded warriors and their families. There are so many ways that the Annie's Kit Club's gift keeps on giving, but it starts with something important to me. Special need child at home, adult wanting to do something fun, grab one of the woodworking projects, grab one of the knitting projects, grab one of the craft projects, do a family project, it's inexpensive. It's great. The final product is satisfying. And you can donate it. If you have no place for it and you want, I just want to do some good with it, donate it to one of the certified charities that they work with. You can't go wrong doing this. Check them out at Annie's Kit Clubs today. Use the code JUSTNEWS. You know that. You're getting used to that. That's our discount code, JUSTNEWS, all one word. If you want to take advantage of special discounts, I believe it's 75% off right now as a Just the News fan for your first kit. Donate, engage, special child, special grandchild. Maybe you just have regular children and they need something to do. They're running out of fun things to do in the summer. Grab some amazing kits and projects and do them. It, it is time well spent, family memories created, and you can give a gift that can keep on giving by donating to somewhere. What a great opportunity. Two great things to do today. Check out Freedom Phone, justthenews.com slash Freedom Phone. Check out Annie's Kit Clubs and use the Just News code, all one word, Just News, to get incredible discounts. Two amazing folks that support this show, make our journalism possible, that have great products, irrefutable great products, that solve a problem, right? What to do with the kids, what to do with big tech, both are solved by these great products. Check them out. We'll be back tomorrow. I have a funny feeling. We might have a Hunter Biden story pretty soon. We'll let you know that pretty soon. All right. Have a blessed day, a blessed evening. Enjoy your family. Until tomorrow, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.